Let's go out to the phones right now one final time and talk to uh, Tyson Ollinger of the Oregonian and Oregon Live. Follow him on Twitter, at Tyson Ollinger. And Tyson is the most frequent recurring guest in the history of the quack attack. That's got to feel good, right, Tyson? Yeah. Do I, do I, do I get a T-shirt or something? Uh, yeah. yeah. I've been checking my mail. There is a T-shirt on its way. It's funny that you brought that up. It's a bro tank, actually. Is that okay? <laughs> Perfect. That's all I get. With a hashtag quack attack on the front. So uh, on that note, uh, Tyson, Oregon goes to Marquette, and uh, it didn't go well. And to be honest, Oregon's defense in both games of the NIT didn't go very well. But uh, given the 101-92 results from Sunday afternoon and uh, Oregon's season officially closing, uh, what did you make of, of Oregon's postseason appearance? Uh, you know, especially with that Marquette game, it just kind of felt like it was about time. And and and, and I don't I don't mean that in a degrading way uh, for Oregon. I, I think obviously they they benefited from this postseason. But um, you know, you you saw it in the Pac-12 tournament. They looked just about out of gas and, and pulled out two wins just by their shoestrings. And uh, then you move on to the NIT where they they were down to Ryder by double digits in the second half and. Um, you know, you had to go play at Marquette, and Marquette's a, a sneaky good team with a really good home crowd. And you know, it it just kind of felt like that this was the game that there was going to be no magic for the Ducks to pull out to keep the season going. And uh, um, so, obviously, you know, I, I think on the whole, you could say it was a relatively disappointing season for the Ducks, not making the NCAA tournament with a lot of this talent. But I, I do think there was a lot of positives you could pull out from it. And and I think just the way they kind of found uh, found a way to grid out some of those wins towards the end when it was pretty obvious that the Ducks were uh, uh, mismatched uh, kind of talent and experience and probably even energy-wise. So uh, I think it was kind of a mixed bag for, for them to end the season. But then again, when you compare it to the rest of the Pac-12, it's not like Oregon's really missing out on the party too much right now. No kidding, man. I mean, this is such a unique year and not in a good way, for the alleged <laughs> Conference of Champions. What is your take on what's been going on in Pac-12 basketball on the men's side this year? You know, it's, it's pretty shocking because, I, I, so as bad as it was this year, it, we were all seeing the same things two years ago when the Pac-12 had, uh, I believe, seven teams in the tournament, and going into the tournament, all the talk was about how good the Pac-12 is, uh, or was that year, because Arizona was good again, I, I believe, UCLA was good that year, um, and uh, then I think Oregon was the only one to make it out of the opening weekend, and, and so that was a disappointing year for the Pac-12, and then if you compare that year to this year, I mean, you would take that in a heartbeat. I mean, the fact that, um, you know, it was only uh, Arizona and UCLA making the tournament, neither of them made it out of the opening day, uh, the fact that just about every team uh, really didn't show up in the NIT either. I, I know Utah is still alive, but... Um, it, it's pretty shocking for for a conference that you know is usually there towards the end. Last year, uh, Oregon, UCLA, and Arizona all I think made the Sweet Sixteen. The year before, Oregon was in the lead eight. Um, it, it, it was pretty shocking, and the the I'm just really interested to see what sort of impact this has going forward. Because you know, one of your bona fide teams over the last decade or so, Arizona, you have no idea where they're going to be next year or five years down the road. Because right now they're losing all five of their starters. They don't have a single recruit signed. Uh, Arizona is, has often been kind of, uh, uh, you know, the boat that's pulling the, the rest of the ship uh, with the Pac-12 and everyone's followed suit. So uh, it will be interesting to see who, who kind of step up 
steps up next year? Is it, is it Oregon that kind of uh, retakes the search after a, a, a mid-year this year, or is uh, it going to be somebody else, or is this just kind of going to be kind of the new normal as uh, kind of one of the worst Power Fives at, uh, at basketball? Tyson Alger, he's on Twitter, at Tyson Alger. And uh, in that vein, Tyson, looking at this Oregon basketball roster for next season and Lewis King and, and Bull Bull highlighting a, a pretty nice recruiting class for next year, but the potential departure of Troy Brown Jr., as well as this afternoon's news, quote-unquote, that Kenny, New- Kenny uh, Wooten will be returning for his sophomore season. Um, I mean, I only put quotes around it because I didn't, I didn't really think that he had a <laughs> right. that much of a valid shot to be drafted, but you never know. Um, what do you make of Oregon's personnel in terms of what they return and and uh, what's coming in for their recruiting class next year? I mean, I, on on paper, it's really good, and, and but that's that's the thing that kind of scares you as an Oregon fan is because on paper they were supposed to be pretty darn good this year. Um, but but that being said, I mean, Bull Bull, I, I think if you have a seventh foot. Some foot three five star coming in that has the tape of Bobo. I, I think that's going to be pretty reliably. Uh, I think you'll be able to get a contribution out of that. <laughs> is yeah. what I'm trying to say. And and, and for as kind of up and down as Troy Brown was this year, he he had for a freshman a perfectly fine season. It's just that he came in with such high expectations. I mean, if, if you look number for number, uh, he had a better freshman year than Tyler Bosey. He had a better freshman year than Dylan Brooks. The difference is. That Troy Brown was expected to be a one and done, and neither of those guys were. So I don't know if he'll get Brown back. I, I was talking to uh, uh, a guy in uh, uh, an NBA front front office yesterday who said uh, he thinks it's pretty pretty fifty fifty as to whether or not he thinks Troy Brown's a first round talent. I would imagine if if uh, Brown falls out of the first round, I bet you he comes back because just you know it's very obvious that he has a lot of things to work on. He, he needs to get stronger on the ball. He needs to have a better mid range and long range shot. Um, you know, the one thing I like about him is he still can do a lot of things in a game when, when he's not scoring. But, um, you know, if, if they get him back with Wooten and uh, King and Bull Bull coming in, they're going to have a really good nucleus. Um, I, I would just really like them to see – uh, I would really like to see them get another guard that can handle the ball and take some of the pressure off of uh, Peyton Pritchard for a full game because Pritchard's usage was just so high this season. and. Uh, I just think they, they need a kind of a, a pass-first guy in there as well. So it'll, it'll be really interesting to see what they have next year, but uh, they're certainly, I think they'll be uh, uh, projected as a front-runner in the conference, especially uh, with uh, what ha- what's happened to Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Um, talking about the NCAA tournament this year and all the surprising results, uh, not the least of which the first time a one-seed has ever lost to a 16-seed with UMBC beating Virginia. Tyson, I know you're an AP Top 25 voter, so you've got your uh, finger to the pulse of the national uh, landscape all season long. In that vein and in, la- in that light, what what's going on here? <laughs> I mean, how do we uh, – is this the craziest bracket you've ever seen, craziest results, or are we making too much of it? Or is is this really – I mean, 11 seed Loyola, Sweet 16, all these ones and twos being out, What whatever's going on in the South region? I mean, it's it's crazy this year. Well, I, I will say you're the first person who's ever used my, my standing as an AP Top 25 voter to accuse me of knowing what's going on around the country. Uh, this this idiot, idiot doesn't know what he's doing. It is uh, an accusation. Um, it is an accusation, no doubt. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I mean, I'd love to tell you that I saw this coming and that uh, you know, it, it was predictable and all that sort of stuff. 
but in the bracket that I filled out that I forgot to submit, I had Arizona winning the ball. So uh, <laughs> I, I can't pretend like I'm an expert here. But but I will say, I think this was this is my fourth year doing the voting, and this was like the first year out of out of the four where there just wasn't really a like you know a group of like three or four teams that were just completely dominant throughout the whole year. I mean there was a lot of parody. There was a lot of those Sunday nights where I have to, you know, start filling out my, uh, my ballot and you look and you saw that just about three quarters of the top 25 teams lost, which was, you know, that happened three or four times this year, which, which doesn't generally happen. So I, I just think there wasn't really a, a group of incredibly solid teams. I mean, you still have like Duke in there. You still have, uh, uh, Michigan was played really well down the stretch, so I, I think uh, I don't think what they're doing is surprising. And then uh, you have a, a Kentucky team that was kind of all over the place this season, but it looks like they're peaking at the right time, and it helps that they have a lot of help on their side of the bracket. But uh, yeah, I, I don't get it, man. I mean, it, it was probably the most fun four days of the tournament that I've watched. Um, it's also probably the most basketball I've watched. Um, throughout the whole tournament uh, in the first four days in the last few years just because Oregon wasn't in it and I didn't have to be working all, all day. So right. it, it's been it, it's definitely been a, a little bit weird to be on the sidelines here and watching it, but it's, it's certainly been enjoyable. Tyson Alger of the Oregonian and Oregon Live is our guest. Transitioning to the football side of things with uh, April around the corner and with it, the spring game. I uh, want to talk about the Ducks on the gridiron. The Pro Day was uh, last week, and who in your mind, Tyson, that participated in the Pro Day did the most f- to help themselves uh, in the eyes of NFL scouts? Uh, it was definitely Kanai Benoit and Arion Springs. Kanai, a uh, running back, and Arion, uh, a cornerback. But Kanai is a guy that throughout his whole career, he just kind of got rich human leftovers. And, you know, we all saw his development over the last two years or so where it just looked like Kanai was getting stronger and leaner and faster and running with authority. And, uh, I mean, if you go back and look at his stats, I think he only had about six, 600 yards rushing, but it was on very minimal carries. I mean, he, he was a, a force out there when, when he was on the field last season. So, uh, he, he ran a, a 40 time that was depending on who you ask between four, four and about, uh, about four, five, six or so, kind of in that mid range. You got about 30 guys with stopwatches, so it's all going to differentiate. But that's right where he needed to be. He just needed to show that he had uh, a decent to above average speed. Uh, he had a faster time than Norris Freeman, and he just looked good out there. I mean, he, the way he was moving, cutting, catching the ball, uh, he looked fit. I, I think uh, Benoit has uh, definitely uh, turned some heads. And, and same with Arion Springs. You know, he was a guy that. He was part, a part of that secondary that was so uh, criticized for about two years, you know, the, the end of the Don Pelham and Brady Hoke era. Uh, but Springs completely turned his career around last year. Uh, you know, he's not a super flashy corner. He's, I think he has two interceptions to his name. He doesn't catch all that well. Uh, but, you know, in all the kind of advanced metrics, uh, Arion was uh, right around there after the tax roll last season, and, and he worked really good at pro tech day and had about uh, four or five scouts talking with him for about 15 minutes afterwards so uh, I think he definitely helped his chances there. So many new faces on the uh, coaching staff of Mario Cristobal. How impressed are you with the mustache of Aaron Feld? Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely, he knows what he's doing which <laughs> it's a relatively new thing. Um, and you know a guy his age, he's about, I think he's 28, 29 you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of experience with the mustache. So he kind of grew it on a bet, and it turned into one of those things where it, the mustache kind of got too famous, and so he has to keep it. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I respect uh, his dedication to the craft. 
Uh, as a guy that's usually, I have a beard sometimes. I'll, I'll, I'll go down to a mustache like a men's league hockey championship game every once in a while. But, um, you know, that, that guy's got some talent. And I, I think he's a good, uh, I think he's probably a good coach too. But uh, it, it's kind of funny how the mustache kind of uh, uh, has its own uh, its own fandom in itself. It really does. Um, with the spring game coming up April 21st, what are you looking at between now and then? What are some storylines that uh, you'll be keeping an eye on? Uh, I think just, uh, one, just a gelling of some of the new coaches. I mean, they were able to keep kind of like the main pieces of this coaching staff together. But, you know, there's always two or three new coaches, and uh, this is about the third year in a row the Ducks have gone through this. But I think they'll be okay there. But I, I really want to see how the receivers continue to develop. I think that's the big glaring hole on this team because you have – a Heisman caliber quarterback. You have a, a very uh, experienced offensive line. The defense obviously made uh, large strides last season, but right now you just got a, a really good quarterback with not a whole lot of bona fide guys to throw to. So at some point, some of those guys are going to have to stand up and uh, uh, you know get them and get them going in the right direction and heading towards uh, fall camp. Tyson, always look forward to talking to you, and thanks so much for being the most recurring guest on the Quack Attack <laughs> this year. Bro Tank is on its way. I've got all 10 of my producers on it. Perfect, perfect. And I'm, and I'm updating my resume to put most uh, most <laughs> appeared on Quack. <laughs> yeah. Mark me down as a reference. Uh, there it is. Tyson Alger. Thanks, Tyson. Hey, thanks, man.